A reading from the prophet Habakkuk, the second chapter. I will take my stand at the watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death, He has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an idol? when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple, Let all the earth keep silence before him. O Lord, have mercy on us. If you remember from last week, the reason why we read the Bible, the reason why we read these old stories, these prophets, these ancient books, is so that we can learn who our God is so that we can learn what he is like, so that we can see in his actions throughout history his divine goodness and his mercy. And most of all, so that when we see him acting in our own lives, we can understand. 
so that we can trust, so that we're not surprised, so that we put our faith in his promises and not in merely what our eyes can see. Those promises of God come to the fore even now in Habakkuk chapter 2, even after God has given Habakkuk a troubling answer. Maybe you remember how this went last week. Habakkuk cries out to the Lord, How long? How long will injustice happen? How long will wickedness prevail? How long will your your people be unfaithful? How long will we cry out to you and you will not save us? How long do we have to languish in this world, in this life, and in this state? That's Habakkuk's complaint. He cries out to God as every faithful person should. How long? Thy kingdom come. Come, Lord, quickly. God's answer to Habakkuk, his answer to his complaint, is what was so surprising. In answer, he promised to send more trouble. In answer to the prayer for relief from the trouble that was already among them, God promised more trouble, bigger trouble. A stronger nation, a stronger foreign army to come and invade the Chaldeans, more wicked than the Assyrians, more wicked than the people of Israel themselves. How could that be? How can that be an answer to Habakkuk's prayer? That's what we begin to learn in today's chapter, in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. And I know that it can be kind of confusing to hear all at once, so we're going to break it apart a little bit. But the, the long and the short of it is this. The very simple version of chapter 2 is this. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Everything has its reward. What goes around comes around. That seems like really popular wisdom. What goes around comes around. But what's usually missing from popular wisdom is that what goes around comes around in God's time. You reap what you sow in God's time. Everything has its own reward in God's time. And so in this chapter, we hear of the reward both for the wicked people who would come and oppress Israel. We hear of the reward for the Chaldeans, for the Babylonians. And also we hear of the reward that is given to God's faithful people. Let's start with the reward for the Chaldeans. What do they get? What do they get for all their wickedness? Remember, they are mighty and strong, and they come and they conquer every nation in their path, and then they put their trust in their own might. They're like a fisherman, Habakkuk says, who casts out a net and pulls in all kinds of fish and then begins to worship the net, as though that was what gave him such a great catch. They are mighty and they are terrible. What will be their reward? You heard it just at the beginning there, in, verses four, in verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. And then again in verse 5. Wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. What's the reward for Babylon, for their wickedness? It is pride. It is being puffed up. It is being arrogant and thinking more of themselves than they ought to. That is the surprising reward of their wickedness. When they conquer and when they destroy and when they are cruel to people, their reward is that they feel good about themselves. That they are righteous in their own eyes. That's their reward. But along with that reward comes a hunger that is never satisfied. In fact, it says, Habakkuk says, or God says to Habakkuk, his greed is as wide as Sheol. It is as hungry as the grave. The grave which consumes and consumes and consumes and never has enough. That's the reward for the people of Babylon. Pride, 
and dissatisfaction, always wanting more. That is, in fact, always the reward for wickedness. Think of how this works in our lives. Think of how when we give in to the desires of the flesh, when we take what does not belong to us, when we lust after what is not ours, are you ever satisfied? Are you ever satisfied? When you succeed in sinning, when you succeed in breaking God's law, don't you feel good that you have gotten away with it? Don't you feel good that you can be master of your own life? Pride and dissatisfaction are the beginnings of the reward for the wicked. That is what is coming for Babylon. It doesn't sound like much of a punishment, but it is. It is. Think of what it's like never to be satisfied, always to crave more and more, always to need to conquer more and more. It's like the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, the primordial sin, as they're standing in the garden, what do they want? More. More than what God has given them. More than every good thing which God has placed into their hands. More than every tree of the Garden of Eden except for this one. They want more. And when they reach out, they set humanity on this course of never being satisfied in our wickedness. When evil holds sway, when our flesh gets what it wants, it wants always more. It's surprising and difficult for us to understand because the one who has more and more and always gains more and more looks like he is prospering. He looks like he is doing well. The Babylonians look like they are kings on the earth. They look like they have it made. The wicked who fill their bellies and are full until they grab more and more and more, they look like they have won. They look like they are blessed. The Babylonians look like they have God's favor because they seem to prosper. And yet they are never full. They are never satisfied. And in their pride, they are set up for a grievous fall. That's what we hear in the rest of chapter 2. You heard these five woes. You can kind of see them marked out by paragraphs in the lesson. Five woes that God speaks to people who perpetrate such wickedness without concern for the innocent, without concern for God's law. Woe to you, he says time and again. Woe to you who profit unjustly, who heap up what is not yours. God says, what's going to happen to you when one day all that you've stolen comes back to haunt you? What's going to happen to you when one day those from whom you have stolen rise up against you? What goes around comes around. Woe to you who by evil gain make yourselves secure, who build up houses for yourselves to be comfortable and at peace, at rest in your own security. Woe to you, God says, because the very walls that you have built up will cry out. The stones will cry out from the walls. One day those houses will collapse. What goes around comes around. What's built by evil will certainly fall. Woe to him, God says, who builds a town with blood, who uses violence to injure the innocent. Woe to you because God's glory will not stand it. In the end, those who are done wrong, those who suffer the hand, at the hands of the violent will be vindicated. God will fight for them. Woe to you, God says, who build up a town with blood and found a city on iniquity. That city will fall, God says. Woe to you who expose your neighbor's shame who set yourselves up as good, as better than others. Woe to you, because your shame will come back around against you. All of the things that are hidden in your heart, all of your shame, which you've kept in secret, that will be exposed. Woe to you, who bring your neighbors to nothing, who damage their reputations. Woe to you, because your reputation 
will be lost. Woe to you, God says, who worship idols, who worship statues made with hands, statues made of stone and wood and gold and silver. Woe to you who pray to them, expecting them to answer. What do you get in answer? Silence. What do you get in the day of trouble? What do you get when you cry out in need? Silence. Nothing. Woe to you, God says. Woe to you, Babylon. These five woes are the reward that wickedness receives in the end. Those five woes are the reward that God gives to those who disregard his word and his commandments, to those who violently oppress his people, to those who throw out God's will and seek their own gain. Those woes are their reward in God's time, according to his purpose. It's a surprising promise, something that we don't often talk about, something that we should take more seriously, that God promises in the end to destroy the wicked, to bring back on their heads everything that they have done to destroy this world. That is his promise, that wickedness and sin and evil do not go overlooked. They do not go unseen, but they are seen by a righteous and just God who will pay what is owed in the end. Woe to you, Babylon. Woe to us when we find ourselves in the company of evildoers. When, unlike that wise man of the Psalms, we stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers, woe to us if we make our lives on the foundation of evil and wickedness. What goes around comes around. We can say, I can say, without a shadow of a doubt, to anyone who considers, who contemplates evil in this life, who contemplates breaking God's law for their own comfort, for their own pleasure, I can say, without a shadow of a doubt, you will come to regret it. You will come to regret it. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Everything has its reward. That is the threat against Babylon, and it's a warning. It's a warning for you and me as well. Because the very same hearts that drove those people of Babylon to oppress the people of Israel, those hearts are in us as well. They must be put to death. They must be brought to nothing so that we can live. That is the other reward that is revealed in our lesson today. There's a reward for wickedness. Sure, they look like they prosper right now, those who perpetrate wickedness. They look like they prosper, but in the end, it will be death. It will be the grave. But what about you? What about Habakkuk? What about the faithful people to whom Habakkuk was to share God's word? What about them? There's this tiny little verse, the second half, in fact, of verse 4, which is the most important verse in all of Habakkuk. This verse gets picked up by the Apostle Paul and the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament. This is the key. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Not by keeping God's law, not by somehow managing to avoid being wicked like everybody else, but by believing, by trusting. What is the reward for faith? It is life and salvation. It is the forgiveness of sins. It is the deliverance of every promise that God has ever made for his people from beginning to end. The deliverance of a land, of a future, of a hope, of freedom from sin and sorrow and death. That is the reward for faith. Yes, now faith looks weak. It looks poor. It looks like it's meant only to suffer. In comparison with the wicked who prosper, faith looks like it's full of disfavor and disapproval from God. 
you look like the least in the world because your hearts are set on something not of this world. Yes, that is the case. Faith looks like nothing right now, just as Jesus dying on the cross looked like nothing to those who saw him bleeding out and breathing his last. But it is more than anything, because by faith you receive the reward set apart for you by God from all eternity, life and salvation. By faith we recognize that, unlike Babylon, we cannot make anything for ourselves. We cannot make a name for ourselves. We cannot make our way in this world. We cannot preserve our lives now, much less in eternity. By faith, we recognize that we ought to be humble. And we pray that God would humble us, that he would keep us from being puffed up and proud. And we also recognize by faith that the only satisfaction, the only way to be full, the only way to be filled with things that last is to be filled with things from God. Store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Those are the things that last. Those are the things that can fill you up. That is a joy that does not end. So much of joy in this life is bound up with the anticipation of a thing. Think about everything that you've looked forward to. And then when you get there, the joy fades because now you've reached your goal. The joy that we have in heaven will never fade, but will only increase. The anticipation of it is nothing but a foreshadowing of the incredible joy that we will have in heaven as we are filled, in fact, more and more and more with the goodness and perfection and glory of God. That is the reward for faith. Hearing God's word and believing it. Receiving his promises. Looking at everything that God has done in the world from the beginning, his faithfulness to his people, the promises and blessings that he has heaped on his people, Faith expects them to be fulfilled. Faith looks at trouble and sees more trouble coming and does not despair because God has promised deliverance and redemption and salvation. Faith cries out to God, how long? And does not despair when God says, not yet. Faith holds fast to the body and blood of Jesus. The cure for every sin and every evil the cure for every trouble, greater troubles than you and I could ever imagine. The trouble out of which you and I are rescued is beyond comprehension, something we will never appreciate until that day when we see God's glory and we see him face to face. Then we will know how much he has done for us. For now, faith holds to these things, expecting them to be fulfilled. Listen carefully for his promises. Hold fast to them. Keep them always in your ears. The world is full of lies, crowding out those promises. Plug your ears to the world and fill your ears with those promises. For the righteous, the righteous live by faith. And the reward of faith is far better than anything this world could offer. The Lord is in his holy temple, waiting to deliver you. Let all the earth keep silence before him. To him be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.